This is Performance Deliver, insider secrets for digital marketing success with Stefan Horst and Dave Antiel. Welcome to the Performance Delivered Insider Secrets for Digital Marketing Success podcast, where we talk with marketing and agency executives and learn how they build successful businesses and their personal brand. I'm your host, Stefan Horst. Today, we're going to talk about conversion rate optimization. Here to speak with me about the topic is Joris Bryan, who is the co-founder of Dexter Agency, a remote team of conversion optimization specialists. Dexter serves high-revenue e-commerce stores and helps them generate continuous growth. Yours is also the author of Kill Your Conversion Killers, an extensive guide to e-commerce conversion optimization. Yours, great to have you on the show. Hey, Stefan. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, happy to be here. Yours, before we dive deep into what conversion rate optimization is and talk about specific ways e-commerce store owners can grow their revenue, how did you get started in advertising? What led you to this point in your career? Yeah, that's, a, that's actually a lot. Well, it's a, it's a short question, but it's a long answer. Uh, I've been uh, in marketing since I graduated, which was so long ago, I don't even remember whether it was 2001 or 2002. Uh, but anyway, I, I started working first in, in uh, the classical advertising agencies, right? Uh, conversion optimization didn't even exist when I graduated. Um, so I, I worked a couple of years in in the traditional advertising uh, industry, worked for a couple of agencies, made a career there as well. Um, and uh, I kind of had it at, at one point. Um, I was fed up with the typical agency discussions with clients about make this blue, make this red, put this left, put this right, make it bigger, make it smaller. Uh, all those um, pointless and endless discussions where that, that <laughs> never really ended and uh, was all they, they were all about um, yeah, personal preferences and, and tastes and, and not, nothing was really data driven. Um, now, um, I, I kind of um, had a, a very early midlife crisis, I'd say, uh, when I was 29. I was like really questioning everything and, 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 and thinking, okay, um, is this what I really want to do? And it, it turned out it wasn't. I, I traveled for a couple of uh, of months after that to try to sell a house. And, you know, anyway, long story. I, 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 I tell about that in, in my book as well. And uh, I don't want this uh, uh, the, this entire episode to talk uh, just about my uh, my my career. And uh, but at some some point, I went back to advertising and I, I quit again uh, because I was really fed up with it. Anyway, um, one point I started a video production company. Uh, a crazy move uh, in hindsight, not really a good move. Uh, I failed, but at the same time, I was looking for another way to uh, to make an income, and I discovered affiliate marketing. I set up a, a website, and then I was like, "Oh, now what?" Um, that led me to uh, SEO uh, because I had no idea how to drive traffic. So I, I learned everything I could about SEO, uh, grew that blog as well, and I discovered. Uh, by doing that, that I really enjoyed this digital marketing thing. So I went to work for a, a digital marketing agency in, in Belgium because uh, I am from Belgium uh, originally. And I, yeah, I, I learned a lot about digital marketing there. And it's also there that I discovered uh, conversion optimization. That agency wasn't really doing any conversion optimization at that time, but I discovered it reading a book and, and, and uh, seeing uh, Peplaya um, in, uh, in a conference. 
And it, it, yeah, I, I was so enthusiastic about it that I, I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. This is what I need to go for. And I read a bunch of books about conversion optimization, took an extensive course, uh, and then tried to work on a couple of those uh, clients, uh, well, clients of, the, of that agency on, on their sites. But basically, that agency was still pretty much focused on, on generating traffic. And, and I, I noticed that, well, that would be a dead end. So. I decided to venture out on my own, and that's uh, that was about five years ago now. Uh, took on a couple of projects um, just for free to get yeah to get to get started and, and get some experience, and that basically grew into an agency um, and uh, specialized in conversion optimization for e-commerce. So yeah, it's been a hell of a ride now, and I've uh, been doing this for five years, and time time has flown. That's uh, that's what led me to conversion optimization. Yeah. I see. Kind of, we're obviously talking about <clears throat> conversion rate optimization, and the, the name kind of gives it away. It's a digital marketing activity that that kind of aims at improving your conversion rate. But is that really all that conversion rate optimization is yours? What is, well, what is it? What is it for you? Yeah, for me, uh, it's a shitty term to to start with. Uh, I I hate the term conversion rate optimization, uh, and uh, I usually when I I want to say something that people will recognize, it's going to be uh, I'm going to say conversion optimization and not conversion rate optimization, because it 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 uh, people uh, get the wrong idea of uh, of the term CRO. Uh, the problem is, I think we we we're stuck with the term CRO, and um, we just have to live with it. But there's a lot of misconceptions that go along with the, with the term. And I think it comes from, we had SEO, we had SEA, all those three-letter words. And I guess at some point people had to, uh, were like, okay, we have to give it a term what we do and say, oh, CRO. Uh, and so conversion rate optimization. But the problem is that people get too hung up on, on the conversion rate um, Whereas conversion rate isn't the most important metric. Uh, what is the most important metric is is your revenue and, and your profit, and especially for us because we work for e-commerce stores, and and so for them it's it's about revenue and profit. It's the conversion rate um, is a means to an end, but it it shouldn't be the end in itself. And um, it, there's still a lot of misunderstanding uh, about it. And even I mean even stuff that we do, so optimizing for conversions can actually lower your conversion rate. Let me <laughs> illustrate that a little bit with an example because this might sound weird. So let's say um, you grow your conversion rate from uh, 1% to 1.5%. All of a sudden, uh, you may have had a Google Ads campaign that you had to switch off because it wasn't profitable. Now, because your uh, site is performing better, all of a sudden you can you can you can switch that campaign back on, and yes, it's going to convert not as good as the other campaigns that you have running. But if it's still profitable, it makes sense to to run that campaign, and it will lower your overall conversion rate. But that's that's not really a problem if at the end of the day you're making more money and uh, and at a profit. So a conversion rate in itself is is just a number but the problem is people forget to see it in the entire context of their digital marketing so that's why i'm not a fan of of uh, the term conversion rate optimization um when well i i typically call cro con continuous revenue optimization because i think it it uh, explains a lot better what we do than the term uh, conversion rate optimization so yeah that's uh, that that's my take on it with what you just said, continuous revenue optimization, that kind of <clears throat> leads to, to other areas. So it's, it's more a focus on how can you improve revenue and improving revenue um, as an e-commerce store, from my perspective, 
there, there are several areas you could do that, right? You could, mm-hmm. you could try to increase the rebuy rate. Um, mm-hmm. You could increase uh, the average order value. Just to mention two things, mm-hmm. what, what other things are there that, that can impact that, that continues or increased revenue from your perspective? Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, the, the thing is, if you if you really think about it, and let's say you run an online store, there's only four uh, things you can you can work on uh, to increase your uh, revenue. There's traffic, there's average order value, there's your conversion rate, and there's your frequency, so your purchase frequency. So making sure people come back uh, to buy more from you. There is no other way to grow, and of course, there's sev- several tactics to grow. But those are the four levers. And what I see is that most people focus on just traffic and the, forget about the other three levers. Um, and even though they have a vague concept and idea of, uh, yeah, I know I should or do be doing something about it, most of them are addicted to traffic because that's how they uh, grew in the beginning. They uh, Usually they had some quick wins uh, by, let's say, setting, setting up a, a Google shopping campaign and uh, then some Google search campaigns and whatnot, and, and they grow quickly. And at some point that becomes very difficult to scale up because you kind of tapped out on, on all the potential uh, channels there are that can bring you some some relevant traffic and relevant traffic I mean, is traffic that is ready to buy from you. Um, so um, then you have to find and work on, on, on the other ways. Uh, and when it comes down to it, by the time people think of those other ways, they're, still, they're so adac- addicted to that traffic part that if they, they are very hesitant to, well, to work on those other areas. They always think like, oh, more traffic is going to solve my problem. But at the end of the day, when I, I typically ask, clients and prospects is like, okay, um, do you want more traffic or do you want more revenue? And everyone is going to say more revenue, of course, but somehow in their minds, it's uh, uh, revenue equals traffic. And it's not true. Revenue equals traffic times average order value times conversion rate times frequency. Uh, that's how, that's, that's the only formula uh, to grow your revenue. Mm. I mean, you know, from my point of view, once you've kind of optimized your websites, once you have optimized your your processes, your user experience, and everything that has an impact um, outside of traffic on, on on your revenue, then increasing traffic will just generate more more to the bottom line. So, I mean, for 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 people, what I can see there are kind of two scenarios: you either are VC funded or funded in general, and have you have a lot of money that you can spend. But at some point, you're kind of hitting a plateau, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's not much more traffic you can buy before your campaigns kind of go downhill. On the other end, you have someone who is limited by funds, and um, they basically are able to to spend a certain amount, but they want to they want that 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 money to work harder. Mm-hmm. Um, so therefore, you know, they should be looking for for, for ways to increase the effectiveness of their activities. So probably what I want to say is money doesn't solve the problem. You can actually spend less and get more out of your activities if you if you look into conversion optimization, not to put the rate word in there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have clients we, we work for and still work for where uh, when we com- compare year over year, uh, sometimes they have like 20 to 30% less traffic, but they have 50 to 60%, 60% more revenue, which means that they uh, are spending less on a, on traffic, but they're, still, they're making a lot more money. Uh, you just, every 
dollar you put in, you have to uh, make sure that you get the most out of it. And you don't do that by dumping traffic on a site. You have to work with them. And I think one of the mistakes a lot of people make is um, they think that all traffic is created equal. Uh, they think that anyone that lands on the site will convert equally well, which is absolutely not true because it really depends on the intent that people have when they land on the site. I mean, a Google Shopping campaign, people will have a lot higher intent to buy properly. Um, a brand name campaign on Google Ads as well, people have a higher uh, purchase intent. But on the other hand, if um, you run some prospecting campaign on Facebook, those people are probably not going to buy right away. Uh, that's that's cold traffic that you have to warm up and you have to have systems in place to uh, to make the most out of that traffic as well. But it's a totally different approach. It's not a one-on-one. -on -one. It's not they land on the site and they convert. No, they land on the site. Well, they convert. There might be another conversion. Your conversion could be that you uh, that you can add them on your uh, on your email list and then warm them up through welcome series, for instance. So, um, yeah, you yeah you kind of have to have those systems in place to make the most out of every uh, every visit. I mean, there are so many activities that e-commerce owner can do to improve their digital marketing outcome. Why should they pay a lot of attention? To conversion optimization mm. in addition to what we just talked about yeah really depends on on uh where they're at in in, uh, in their growth i i guess i think in the beginning uh if if you don't have that much traffic you just need to well you need some traffic first i i, I get i totally get that but it doesn't it doesn't hurt to um have a, someone look at your site and and try to uh make it a little bit better with I don't know, some shortcuts. It's not always perfect, but it, it can help. So it, at, at the beginning, it's just about, okay, let's make sure we have the basics in place. When you get uh, further and further, um, it becomes really important to do uh, conversion optimization also in order not to lose any money. And I think that's one of the, the misconceptions as well. A lot of people think like, okay, conversion optimization equals A-B testing, and A-B testing is all about finding winners. Now, first off, conversion optimization does not equal A-B testing. A-B testing is part of conversion optimization, but you do, can, can do conversion optimization without A-B testing. But the point I want to make here is when you do A-B testing, it's not just about winners. It's, it's also about preventing losers. It's about um, making good business decisions because typically a lot of site owners, they will uh, just go ahead and, and make some changes to the site. Now, if you don't have traffic to test, there's no other way. You have to do some research maybe and try to make, sh yeah, make sure that you have some, some foundation to base your decision on. Um, but if, yeah, if you're bigger, then seemingly small changes can have a big impact on your, uh, on your revenue. And that can be for the better, but it could also be for the worse. Um, so you cannot, um, you cannot afford not to test at that point and not to do conversion optimization. Let me give you one example. Um, one of the clients who um, started working with us, I believe it's uh, it's been I don't know was it a year two years ago. They were um, they were talking to several agencies. They decided to uh, to work with us. And um, one of the very first things um, that client mentioned in the meeting was, okay, so um, we talked to that other agency. Uh, we don't have a USB bar uh, on our site now. Um, some people call it USB bar, other people call it benefits bar. That's what you typically see on an e-commerce um, site-wide bar that says like free shipping, free returns, that kind of stuff. It's a, it's it's what they say call a best practice. Um, 
so that agency had told them like eh, just go ahead implement it it's, it's a no-brainer just do it so that client uh, signs up with us and, and and he mentions that and he's like okay let's 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 just implement that because that other agency told us so i was like no uh <laughs> we're not going to do that let's let's test it because i'm not sure it's going to win yes there's there's it's likely it's going to win but i'm not sure so we tested it and uh, it turned out that was a gigantic loser on their on their side. So even so, so what we do when we do an A/B test, we uh, look at what the potential impact on your yearly revenue could. Now, if they had gone ahead and implemented the USP bar or the benefits bar on their site without testing, it would have uh, cost them a million dollars a year, uh, which is an insane amount of, of of money. So that's why I say you can you can actually not. Uh, afford not to test because you you will be implementing stuff on your site that might hurt your uh, your revenue and you're probably not even aware of it. So you if you want to make the right decisions, um, you have to do conversion optimization. You have to do uh, A/B testing because otherwise uh, you might end up uh, like that that client of ours uh, who well fortunately enough we tested it and we prevented him from making that mistake. But it would would have been a very costly mistake. That's that's what I. I would say is a, a very good reason to to do conversion optimization to make the really right business decisions and not to lose any money. I mean, in order to in order to make changes to the site to improve a process, it sounds like it will take a lot of time for the web dev team of an e-commerce store to to do all that to implement the tests. What tools can they use? to make it easier on them and more painless? Yeah, so if, if we're talking about A-B testing, um, it, it depends a bit on what kind of uh, test you want to set up. But um, we use an uh, A-B testing tool uh, called Convert. Um, and uh, what it does, we put a, a yeah, the typical snippet on, on the side of our clients. Um, and uh, then we can, without... In- any inter- interference of, of the development team of a client, we can set up a DAB test within the tool. Uh, sometimes we need we need them to add some kind of attribute or an event just to make it to do that particular test work. But like in seventy or eighty percent of the of the cases, uh, we can just go ahead without the development team of the of the client, which is an important thing because usually that's where the bottleneck is. Um, so I would definitely, um, if if you want to uh, start A/B testing, use one of those specialized tools. Um, if you're just starting out, you could start Google Optimized for free. But if you want something uh, a little bit better, then uh, I, I I think Convert. We're, I'm a big fan of Convert. We've been uh, working with them for a long time now. Um, we used Visual Website Optimizer before, but we had an issue uh, with flickering or, or blinking, as they call it as well, which means that you see uh, the A variation uh, for a second before the B variation uh, is loaded. So it, it it throws people off because of like, oh, what, what's happening here? Um, and so that was a big issue. Uh, we've never had that issue with Convert. Uh, and Convert is, is really affordable. And I should probably ask them a commission to mention them <laughs> so many times. <laughs> <laughs> but there are other tools out there. There's A-B Tasty as well. There's um, Optimizely if you have way too much money to spend. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, use one of those tools if you, if you want to get started. Absolutely. With a tool like convert how how does that work are there are there manual changes required outside of the tool or um, is the tool the interface that enables to set up the ADB tests yeah so the tool uh, typically allows us to set up like 70 to 80 percent of the test ids that we have 
And uh, the way it works is that what you do is you manipulate the uh, the way the page looks. Uh, so with, with JavaScript, for instance, I could say like, hey, I remove that element or add this element or put it on a, on a different spot, something like that. So uh, that's that's how it works. And sometimes um, we need the development team of the client to add something small so that we can actually trigger the test. Uh, but usually uh, a lot of tests can be done within within the tool. A second ago, you said that A-B tests are just one part of conversion optimization. Mm -hmm. what, are the, what are the other parts that can help to improve revenue and conversions? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. It's a question that I, I, I get a lot. People are like, okay, I, I cannot do conversion optimization because uh, I don't have the traffic to do A-B testing. And, and actually, that's not true. You don't even need a single visitor if you want to do conversion optimization because you can do some forms of research, conversion research. And, and there are several uh, ways to do conversion research, and, and I talk about all of them in the book, well, most of them in, 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 in the book as well. But there's um, even if, if you don't have much traffic, you could do some forms of research. There's a lot of people think like, okay, research is just looking at Google Analytics. And yes, Google Analytics is an interesting tool, but what Google Analytics does is uh, it, it, it will give you the uh, answer to the question like, okay, where do I have problems on my site or where am I losing money on the site? But it, as soon as you start um, asking a question why, it's very hard to say that with analytics. And that's where a qualitative uh, tools can come in. So there's, you have to make a distinction between quantitative research and qualitative research. And qualitative research can actually give you uh, good results as well if you don't have uh, much traffic. So the quantitative research like Google Analytics, but also like form analysis or click maps or scroll maps, that you, you need traffic for that. You need data for that. Uh, now, uh, if you have, let's say, 100 visitors a week, uh, you will not be able to do that uh, quantitative uh, analysis. But you can do qualitative analysis, um, like doing an expert review, which basically means going through the site and try to uncover uh, potential problems. But you could also do one of the things that, that I think is essential that anyone does is user testing. So what you do is you um, select a couple of testers and you ask them to fulfill some assignments on your site. And um, they have to comment out loud and, and, and you watch them, uh, well, basically struggle sometimes through your site. And that will, yeah, that will reveal a lot of uh, possible problems on, on your site. So um, user testing is one of the things that even, I mean, even if you have no traffic on your site, you can do user testing and it will give you a lot of information. So, um, so if you, circling back to, what can you do? Uh, well, conversion optimization doesn't equal uh, A-B testing. Well, conversion optimization, for me, it always starts with the data. And if you have uh, enough traffic, then you can uh, move on to A-B testing. If you don't, then just do uh, good research and implement stuff. And, and so that works for... Uh, it's not going to be as perfect as A-B testing, but hey, uh, it's, it's all you have, and it's better than not doing anything at all. So and do good research, and that could be quantitative or qualitative, um, and that will get you a lot of insights. How much data does an e-commerce store have to have in order to start A-B testing before they can, can move from, from the other approach to A-B testing? Yeah, that's, a, that's an excellent question. Um, we typically, our cutoff is, we say like, okay, if you don't have a 1,000 transactions a month, uh, then you probably shouldn't be doing uh, A-B testing. 
because it will take too long before your tests are finished and you will not move the needle quickly enough. So uh, a thousand uh, transactions uh, a month, that's typically the, the moment where, yeah, we say like, okay, now it's it's interesting to start AP. So you mentioned that if you do not have a thousand transactions a month, that it might take too long to get a result out of your A-B tests or to make a decision on whether A or B is better. How long should conversion rate or conversion optimization experiments run in general? What do you recommend? Yeah, um, we recommend to, uh, first of all, look at the number of transactions. Um, so uh, an absolute minimum should be around 250 transactions per variation. Um, if we can, uh, we'll, we prefer shooting for 350 or even 400 transactions per variation. Uh, so that's one indication. Another indication is how long the cycle is. So uh, typically, an, um, uh, f- let's say like a, a Thursday night. A Thursday night conversion rate is going to be different than on a Sunday night. Now, if you run a test, you want to make sure you cover all the... Um, yeah, all the ups and downs of, the, of an entire week. So if after one week um, you don't have, let's say you have 200, 200 transactions, so you need maybe one or two more days uh, to get to 250 transactions, well, then don't cut off after nine or 10 days, cut off after 14 days. So always try to take that entire cycle because one variation uh, might appeal more or be more relevant to people on a Thursday night than people on a Sunday night uh, because they have different intent. They have, yeah, the different mindset and different urgency. Maybe it really depends on the side, of course. Um, so yeah, that, those. I mean, there's, there are more rules of thumb, but I would say um, go for uh, at least 250, if you can, 350 or 400 transactions per variation, and uh, always do it in cycles of one week. Um, now, if you if you need to run a test a lot longer than uh, six, six weeks, six, yes, five to six weeks, usually that's our cutoff point, uh, then it's probably uh, not a good idea to, to set up the test because that, that takes too long. So most of our tests run between two to four weeks. How many elements do you, do you test in, in, in one test? And can you mm. run several tests parallel or do you have to focus on one specific test at a time? Yeah, so there are um, a lot of things that you can test at the same time if, if they are in different page types. So uh, the example of an online store, um, you can run a test on uh, category pages. And then I'm not talking about just one category page, but you, what you do is you test on a template level. So you have a template level for uh, the category pages. So a test will run on all category pages. Same thing for product page. You don't run a test on just one product page, but on all product pages at the same time. So um, typically you can have a test, a test running on each page type at the same time. So which easily adds up to say like five to seven tests that, that you can have running at the same time. Now, what's important is that when you run a test on one, you have to test, let's say, on a product page, you can make too many changes at the same time. And uh, then your tests, uh, well, result may not be um, not be moving the needle, but maybe one of the elements that you changed, uh, if, if you had just tested that uh, separately, it may have moved the needle. And the other one may have undone that uh, effect of that positive effect but because the other element that you changed had a negative impact on, on uh, the conversion. So it's better to isolate elements uh, or at least isolate a hypothesis. If you say like, okay, this page is not clear at all. There's several 
clarity issues, uh, then you can work around that one hypothesis and make a few changes, but don't uh, mix a lot of things up. Try to stick with that same hypothesis and that's going to be a, a lot more uh, trustworthy, uh, those results. So we talked about tests. So what elements can be tested or what can be tested in order to, to move the needle when it comes to revenue for an e-commerce mm. store? Yeah, it could, could be anything. Um, I think that the most important thing is that try to, I mean, you can have good ideas by just looking at a site. And, uh, but typically, um, if you want to have good results on the long run, uh, with, with A-B testing, it's better to base them on the research. So start with good research, and then you'll have a lot better tests. And that, that research is basically going to reveal what you should be testing. So that could that could be anything. Uh, sometimes it's it's some microcopy. Um, let's say uh, microcopy is, is a short copy that is within context, and that makes uh, something really clear, or sometimes some something really unclear. So let's imagine uh, a, a checkout form where you get an error message and the error message is very confusing and you don't really know what's happening here. Well, if, if you change that error message uh, and make it a lot clearer, uh, that's a small test. It's just microcopy. Sometimes it's not going to be needed to, to test, of course, if it's an obvious, uh, an obvious problem, then you can just fix it. But what I mean is it could be something very small. It could be something big. It could be something functional. It could be copy. It could be uh, images. Uh, but start with the research and the research is going to reveal um, what you uh, need to be testing. And that that is really important to keep in mind to not just start testing, but start with the research. Because even if you have a thousand transactions and you're like, oh, let's set up a, a few A-B tests. Well, that's the spaghetti against the wall method. That's just throwing spaghetti against the wall and hoping that it sticks. And you may have a lucky shot in the beginning, uh, but your, will, your good test ideas will run up or dry up really quickly. Now, if you there's been research about it, and the research revealed that if you do the spaghetti against the wall method, what happens is that only one out of seven A-B tests will actually uh, get you a significant result. Now, we're talking about setting up seven A-B tests, which takes time. Six out of those seven don't even move the needle. Uh, I mean, A version, B version, exactly the same result. The seventh test is a significant result. Now, that means that there's a significant difference between A and B, and it's about difference. It, it doesn't even say, say uh, that it's going to be a significant winner, so it could also be a significant loser. Now, what we see when we follow our method, which is based on data, we have one out of uh, every three tests, uh, three tests that we set up is uh, actually a significant winner. So I think that makes it clear why the data is so important because um, yes you will spend some time up front doing the, the, the research uh, but you will make up for that really quickly because uh, you will set up three tests you will have a significant significant winner and um, the uh, the other well method is just not really a method it's just setting up uh, some random a b tests well it will take you seven tests to just have a significant result and could be a significant loser as well I guess I mean the, the testing or the the research better is, is is really important because not or every site is different, right? Mm. And every site faces different challenges, so you cannot just apply kind of a, a standard general approach. It's like oh, this test and this test and this test worked for the last client. Let's just use that one and see what it does for for this new client, right? So therefore, the, the research is really there to identify what 
can be improved for, for a specific client or for a specific website in order to move the needle. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I'm really happy you, you bring that up uh, because a lot of people think that or, or don't understand that every site is different and every site has its own conversion killers and you have to understand and know what those conversion killers are before you go ahead and try to kill them. And that's something that's a concept that I, I, I know a lot of people ha um, have a hard time wrapping their heads around. But let me illustrate you with um, uh, the, uh, illustrate this with, with, with an example. Um, so with this, a while ago, one of our clients came to us and, and he said like, hey, um, I, I read this case study um, and it's a case study uh, where they ran an A-B test and uh, they removed the currency symbol on the category pages and product pages. Um, now, um, fortunately enough, that, that client understood that he shouldn't just go ahead and implement that because he read the case study and, and that it would work for them as well. He knew that it, there might be a chance that it wouldn't work on his site. So uh, we were like, okay, interesting. Uh, let's, let's test it. Um, okay, it wasn't really based on research, but it was an easy test and a client wanted to test it. So uh, we tested it. Now, what turned out is that the result was that there was a 94% probability, small, very, very small change would make uh, an impact of 680,000 80, um, euros per year on their revenue, which is an insane amount of money uh, for such a small change. But so he, he had read the case study, we tested it, it worked for them. Now, we could have gone ahead and, and called all our clients and say like, hey, this thing works, let's let's just implement it. Um, but we didn't, we tested it on a couple more site, sites. Um, we tested on the se second uh, site, it was a 60, 40% probability. So there was not really a significant difference between A and B. So there didn't really work, but it wouldn't have, uh, well, costed them money to implement it. We did it on a, uh, tried it on a, on a third site and there, um, there was a 90.2% probability of uh, almost losing uh, half a million uh, euros per year. Um, so where the other client uh, had a, a very high probability of making a lot more money, this client had a very high probability of, of uh, losing a lot of money uh, with exact same test. And we tried it again on, on, a, on another uh, uh, site and there they had a 98% probability of also losing a lot of money. So exact same test, exact same kind of sites because it's all about e-commerce it's the exact same pages where we tested it on still very different results so uh, that's also why i warn a lot of people like okay stay away from case studies um, if you don't know what you're doing uh, because a case study trigger often triggers um, a reaction from the readers like oh let's just implement it but you can might be implementing stuff that is actually costing your money you money and and, and it's hurting your revenue so um yeah just keep in mind that every site is different um and and you really have to understand yeah what what the conversion killers are on your site before you try and kill them mm -hmm. yours thank you for joining me on the performance of that podcast and sharing your knowledge about conversion rate optimization yours if if people want to find out more about you and or your company, how can they get in touch? Yeah, uh, so our, our site is on uh, Dexter.agency. If you uh, are interested in reading the book, I suggest you go to Dexter.agency slash book. And uh, yeah, on, on LinkedIn, find me on LinkedIn. Uh, just put in uh, Joris Briand and then yeah, just 
I, I think there's one other guy called uh, like me, but he doesn't work for Dexter Agency. So uh, it, it should be an easy pick. Thanks everyone for listening. If you like the Performance Delivered podcast, please subscribe to us and leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast application. If you want to find out more about Symphonic Digital, you can visit us at symphonicdigital.com or follow us on Twitter at SymphonicHQ. In our next episode, which will be released next week, you and I will dive deeper into conversion rate optimization and provide hands-on suggestions and ideas on how to develop tests that grow the bottom line without necessarily having to spend a single additional dollars. Performance Delivered is sponsored by Symphonic Digital. Discover audience-focused and data-driven digital marketing solutions for small and medium businesses at symphonicdigital.com.